I'm not saying you have to like NXT. In the Wednesday Night War, if you like AEW over NXT, that is absolutely fine. What I do absolutely abhor is stupid arguments. And the one that has come up before, and the one that has come up especially this week, and, and say it with me, and then say it again in your head a couple of times. Well, they're only giving you all that awesome stuff so that you'll watch it. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your NXT review for December 18th, 2019. If you're listening to this on an audio platform and you want to find me on YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix on YouTube. If you're watching me on YouTube right now, me, my glorious face, my beautiful hat, and etc., you want to find me in an audio form, go to Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Breaker, CastBox, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Castro, and Overcast and put in Spaz Phoenix Podcast, you will find this show in an audio form. On uh, YouTube, we are on the road to 1,000. On uh, the podcast side of things, we are at significantly less, but we've also only been doing it for about eight weeks. So uh, let's give ourselves a little bit of slack here. Quick, quick house cleaning, because we do want to get into this show. This show is a lot of fucking fun, and I dare... I dare anybody, and I hate to be a dick about this. I really do, because I like AEW. They're, you know, they're over there. They're doing their own thing. Jericho's got the bubbly, and he's gonna face Luke Perry's kid in a Tarzan cosplay. It's fine. This show was fucking fantastic. This was NXT Takeover Wednesdays, was it not? But. A couple of quick house cleaning things before we get into all of that. There is no NXT review next week. This was sort of the season finale for NXT. I think AEW is doing a similar deal. Um, and then we get one on on January 1st, which we're going to talk about much later on. Um, but there will be no NXT review next week because there's no NXT next week. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know uh, what, what, uh, what is it, USA Network is going to show in its place. I don't know whether they're going to do a clip show, highlights, or, or a roundup of the year, or anything like that that the, the network used to do. But I won't be doing it because I'll be doing all the Christmas things. Um, the other thing I want to say is, uh, you guys know, got a lot of co-hosts on here. We do collabs occasionally. Hopefully, I will have something for you guys this weekend from myself, Christian, and Guapo. It is for my birthday weekend. A couple of you have already sent me uh, preliminary, you know, happy birthday greetings and all that. I really do appreciate that. Not trying to make my birthday a big thing, but this is usually the the one video of the year that I try to drop around my birthday. Those of you that have been watching this for a long period of time know what that is. Those of you that have found me in podcast form probably don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm not giving it away. You're going to have to wait until the weekend, unless life gets in the way and I have to drop it late. There is a separate video from that video. Um, that uh, Kristen and I are working on, um, unfortunately, without Guapo, uh, and there is something that I'm hoping to do in January with uh, big, super sexy Jake DeMarco, and uh, hope that comes to, to uh, fruition as well. But, um, yeah, uh, Facebook does that thing where it tells you when somebody's birthday is coming up, so I have had a couple of people. I'm not, I'm not super, uh, I'm not a rock star by any stretch of the imagination. But I have had a couple of you come out and say, hey man, didn't realize it was your birthday, happy birthday, or happy coming birthday, and, and all that sort of thing. And that's really cool. That's, uh, 
that's totally outside the box of, of what we're talking about here tonight, but it is really nice and it does need to go notice, because as I always say when I address you guys directly, I don't acknowledge you guys nearly enough, do I, unless I've, I've got some big announcement that I'm trying to make or something like that. The fact that I am in the past six to eight weeks on, you know, 12 or so podcasting platforms when two months ago I was on zero podcasting platforms is is a thing in and of itself. Like I say, we're on the road to 1,000. A lot of that has to do with uh, YouTube being as special as it is. But let's get into it. Let's get into the uh, technically the last NXT of the year. And uh, as I said before, basically you should call it NXT TakeOver Wednesday because that's really what it is. We start with the highlights from last week. Highlights from last week, realistically, were the triple threat number one contenders match between Keith Lee, Tommaso Ciampa, and Finn Balor, the new cruiserweight champion, Angel Garza, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, and some hype for the two main events tonight, Balor versus Cole and Baszler versus Ripley. Now, if you're watching WWE on social media, you knew that they were going to start off the show with Balor and Cole. They were going to start off the show hot. And again, you get, and I said it in the opening, and I wish I was saying this with some irony, or I wish I was saying this with some mockery, or or some some inner monologue commentary, or or that I was exaggerating something, but I have heard the argument all over, well, they're just doing that so you can watch. Yeah, that's how TV works. They put on a good show, and people watch it. (laughs) I don't... Your argument proves my point. Anyways, we did start off with Balor versus Cole for the NXT title. Now, I will say a couple of things. Balor's entrance has changed up again. His graphics are like red and white. Now, for a second when I saw the red, I thought, is he going to do like half demon? Um, I, I am... Uh I am beholden to reference AEW once again, but you see uh, what the natural Dustin Rose does was, uh, you know, please don't call me gold dust, uh, red and black face paint. Um, when I saw the red on the Tron, I thought, is he going to come out like half demon and half prince? But the whole, the whole, um, the whole Titan Tron thing's been changed, and it says it's interspersed with uh, stuff that says Prince and stuff that says Balor. I know he was Prince Devitt elsewhere. I wasn't watching him when he was Prince Devitt elsewhere. I'm not going to call him Prince Devitt because he's never been Fergal Devitt to me. I'm sorry. If they're going to call him Prince Balor, that's more than okay. If they're going to harken back to his days in, I think it was New Japan, somebody correct me down in the box below, Um, his days with the Bullet Club. They even mention it on commentary throughout the match that these guys were in a group together in the land of the Rising Sun. They're so terrified to say New Japan or say the Bullet Club. It's actually kind of ridiculous. Uh, I'll give you that one. When, When people are talking shit about NXT under the WWE umbrella, roddy roddy rah, Stuff like that is where they took Dean Ambrose out of the Shield debut. <laughs> that made me laugh a whole, whole lot. But we know that Dean Ambrose is just a sleeper agent for Vince McMahon within the AEW construct. I mean, he even has he even has a witness protection name, John Moxley. It's fine. But I will have to say one thing though. I will have to say one thing to the people out there that did know Fergal Devitt before he became Finn Balor. Um, what's the significance of the Red X? I really don't, is that a new thing that he's done randomly now, or is there a significance to that? Because he's made a lot of references to his past. When he referenced his past, he referenced being the NXT champion, but he's also referenced his past as being being the prince. So, I don't know what there is. I don't know why I'm doing this with my hands either. For those of you listening on audio, this is great audio when I talk about, you know, randomly talking with my hands. So, if there is a significance to the big red X in his logo now, because it was on his knee pad, it was on his trunks, it was on the Tron, it was everywhere, and it was in the red X interspersed with the white 
text gave his entrance a little bit. He's still doing the spotlight thing, which is great. Anyways, Adam Cole comes out, and he's and he's Adam Cole, isn't he? Collar and elbow type starting. There's a takedown by Balor in the front face off Some chain wrestling and a side headlock by Balor. Balor tries for a DDT, but it's brought, blocked by forearms by Cole. And I will say, more than usual, the two matches, the two matches that brought us to this show tonight, the two matches that they put on the show so that we would watch it, uh... I really, really enjoyed, and you guys know when I get really excited, I'm going to trip over my words a whole lot, especially when we talk about that main event. So I'm going to apologize in advance one time, and then I'm not going to apologize for it again, because you shouldn't apologize for being excited. I can get all, like, low and, and calm and bring myself down when we talk about Cameron Grimes. It's fine. Uh, drop kick to the neck by Balor and a mud hole stomp, and Mauro and Allo on commentary. Yes, I know Mauro gets a lot of stick, but he says something to the effect of, on the birthday of Stone Cold Steve Austin, there there's Balor with a mud hole stomp. That was really good. They also referenced later on the night that it's also Tristratus's birthday, so shout out to Steve Austin, shout out to Tristratus. Neither one of them have anything to do with this match, but Mauro and is awesome. It's fine, but so is Corey Graves. Um, Cole takes Balor out at the leg on the apron, and here... From here on in, it's not always on the leg, but the story of the match becomes the leg, and it's great. We didn't just, okay, he's hurt his leg, so let's punch his leg for five minutes. We we told the rest of us of a story in the match, but we went kept going back to the leg. It was great. Balor eats the apron on the outside, hangman neckbreaker by Cole, mounted punches by Cole, and a snap suplex and a mud hole stomp. Anything you can do, I can do better. It's a good story. You guys know that, and you guys know that I love it. Snapmare and a knee to the spine and a side headlock by Cole, jawbreaker by Balor, and Cole drop kicks the knee. Again, we're working the knee. We're going to work all the, the rest of the body because the rest of the body is important too, but we know the knee is fucked. Let's go back to the knee. Forearms by Cole and another twisting neckbreaker. He's doing the thing. As I say, uh, as we go through the match, I'm going to keep bringing this up. The story is the knee, but we're going to target other things too. We are going to drop kick him in the midsection, and we are going to work on his neck, and we are going to go to the neckbreaker one too many times to make people think that that's another separate story. But really, we go back to the knee. It's really it's it's misdirection for the for the opponent, but it's also a little bit of misdirection for the crowd. I really really do. You can tell these guys know each other. It's fucking great. Um, forearms by Cole, another twisting neckbreaker. Uh, figure four headlock by... The figure four headlock is not a, a move that's used enough, is it? Uh, back elbow and a boot by Balor. Rolling lariats by Balor and a chops and a... Chops and an Irish whip. And then they they sort of resisted the urge to do the thing on commentary. Was there, oh, the Irish whip by the Irishman. And then Mauro Ronaldo made some random joke about The Irishman, which is on Netflix, which everybody that I know doesn't want to watch it because apparently it's three and a half hours long and who has that amount of time. And meanwhile, I say that on the weekend that Rise of Skywalker is coming out. And I'm definitely going to see it as part of my birthday celebrations. Random tangent, and we're back. Backstabber by Cole and Insiguri, Sling Blade by Balor, Super Kick by Cole, they trade some punches, they trade some elbows, they trade some boots, a Pele by Balor, and another kick to the injured knee by Cole. Ushiguroshi by Cole. Double stomp by Balor. Shotgun drop kick by Balor. Cole kicks him off the top rope before he can go for the coup de grace. Which is weird because I would say let him go for the coup de grace, miss it, fuck up his leg, and, and you're off to the races. Backdrop on the floor by Balor. Another shotgun drop kick by Balor into the rail like he did to Gargano when he made his heel turn. It's great storytelling. Balor does, like I said a second ago, miss the coup de grace and eats the last shot by Cole. There's a lariat, another shotgun drop kick by Balor, and here is where my stream fucked me up the ass because it skipped ahead about five seconds. All I saw was Balor missing, 
shotgun dropkick by Balor. It jumps forward to the distraction because Gargano is on the ramp. Gargano, who was taken out by Balor with the 1916 on the ramp, is back. He causes the distraction. There's a nut shot. There's a last shot. And Cole retains his championship. It's all good. I don't like the bullshit ending. I really don't. We're going to make up for it later on in the night. Trust me, I'm going to get there. Um, but... I really didn't like, I, you could have done this. You could have had the pop of the night, the homecoming moment. You know, this could have been, uh, you guys know I love Marvel. I'm going to make the Spider-Man joke even though it's lame. You could have had the Spider-Man homecoming moment for Balor in this match where he comes to reclaim this NXT because a lot of his dialogue has been, you know, look at all these pathetic kids and you know nobody's got any balls anymore nobody just stands up and says shit to your face and like what have you kids done to my nxt he could have been just taking the reins back of his show the brand that he built the title that he made important being the longest reigning champion at the time you could have had a really cool like take back what's mine moment but they didn't do that because adam cole is a fucking superstar it's fine adam cole takes his win fucks off. He won with a nut shot, but he was facing another heel, so nobody really booed him and nobody really cares, and it wasn't even really made into a bad into a bad thing, because you did a bad thing to it. It's like I'm going to say this for a second, it's like society out there in real life. You can do bad things as long as you're doing them to people that other people don't like. Don't mess with the people we like but, you know, if you want to do a bad thing to that person, I don't like that person. You can fuck with that person all you want. That's that's the awesomeness of a heel versus heel rivalry. And I will give full credit to the guys over at uh, What Culture, uh, Michael Sidgwick, Michael Hanflit, and, uh, and uh, Adam... Which one of the Adams is it? Adam Wilborn. Because they said you don't nearly get heel versus heel, and it allows... It allows for different story-taking tropes, different story-structuring moments. And I always go, when people are saying, how can you do heel versus heel? Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero. And I'm not even mentioning any one specific match. Ric Flair, dirtiest player in the game. Eddie Guerrero, lie, cheat, and steal. Those guys could both go in there, cheat the fuck out of each other, try to out-cheat each other, and people would still cheer both of them because they're awesome. And it doesn't matter that they're a face, doesn't matter that they're a heel. Heel and face has a place, but not when you've got people that are held in the regard of the way people... Um, sorry, tripping on my words already. Not a good sign for the rest of the show. When you have people that are held in the high regard that the NXT crowd holds Balor and Cole, heel and face doesn't matter. The crowd loves both of them. The dueling chants throughout this entire match showed that. It, 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 it exemplified that. You... Um, you had carte blanche to do whatever you wanted with this story. Balor could have cheated, Cole could have cheated, and people would have only cheered louder. But Cole, saving his title, you know, wins with a nut shot, wins with the last shot, and sort of leaves with the, uh, hey, I'm going to let you guys sort each other out. And then Gargano comes to the ring, walks sort of past the ring into the crowd, grabs a chair, owns the fuck out of Balor with a chair for a little bit, and Balor escapes through the crowd. And then right before we move on to our next... Um, Right before we move on to our next segment, they have this cool little moment where Johnny Gargano slowly comes back around the ring, and he's about to walk up the ramp, and he just sort of stops at the spot uh, where he'd been dropped at the 1916. He just sort of puts his hand on that spot where he got dropped on his head, and it was a, it was a nice little touch. And, you know, we, we nitpick... The, you can mess up the big things in wrestling. If you get the little things like that right, that that's good. 
It's like, I'm, I don't even have any other words for it. That's just good shit. And I'm not even going to do that with the Vince McMahon voice because it actually is good shit. Um, we got a match coming up later on that I'm going to talk about where they just talk about the little tiny things that make everything good. But um, yeah, that was the opener that was given to us with limited commercial breaks. I do want to say something to my American friends, because obviously I'm watching a stream of the USA Network, because we don't get it up here in Canada in an abridged version until Friday, and well, fuck that. Um, your commercials are successfully and unequivocally more obnoxious than our commercials. I mean, I, I appreciate the picture-in-picture -picture thing, as I've said before. Um, I, I don't care about Temptation Island, and that's all I take away from all the, why are we beeping? Why is this a thing? Why? I don't care about Temptation Island, and Temptation Island is the only thing I think about coming out of an American commercial break. Not taking a shot at the Americans, I'm just saying, what the fuck is this? It looks like tabloid bullshit, from what I can tell. Um, I mean, we got commercials up here, too, and they're just as bad. Some of them are cringy as fuck, because we're the Canadians, we're the nice guys, so we don't have anything that's like super super offensive we just have a lot of commercials that are offensively offensively lame but good lord good lord we recap Dunn versus Dane versus Priest from War Games and uh, the subsequent story with Priest's ribs and why are we why are we recapping what happened to Priest's ribs because we're gonna have an entire match where Damian Priest fucks with his ribs oh yes Corner tackle and spears by Dane to start the match because we got Damian Priest versus Killian Dane. Pete Dunn has better things to do, as we'll talk about later on in the night. But uh, right hands by Priest, a, uh, a spin kick by Priest. I cannot read my writing. I'm sorry, guys. And once again, much like last week, it's always the case. I'm just a little bit tired, so my writing is kind of shit. Dane works the ribs with the elbows and a waist lock and a grounded bear hug and a sitting up bear hug. And he pulls him back to his feet by the bear hug, peeling the body. What do they call it? The kinesio, the kinesio tape off the ribs, exposing it and just, you know... Even if it's not true, I've never had kinesio tape. I'm not the most athletic person in the world. Big surprise. Uh, but I imagine it's like taking off a Band-Aid. So whatever is going on with his muscles, his skin is now hurting. That's part of the story. Gutbuster by Dane. Right hands to the ribs. Sent on by Dane. Sent on to the back by Dane. A fisherman suplex. Both men trade some strikes as Priest tries to make a comeback. Priest isn't exactly a face. So him being the underdog in this story is is a little bit interesting. Dropkick to the midsection. And here's the thing with Dane. Dane hit a lot of dropkicks to the midsection. And normally that would look really weird. But the story being the ribs and the, the video package telling us about his ribs and uh, clearly him yelling about going after the ribs. It was it was amazing to see this dude that is as big as he is. We talk about... Um, What's his name? The big, the big fucker from the Viking War Raiders experience and all the athletic shit he can do. Killian Dane should be getting some of that, some of that credit as well because he turns himself into a projectile for a dude the size that he is. Um, but the drop kicks to the midsection just look, look like they shouldn't be able to happen. Uh, but anyways, drop kick to the midsection by Dane. Body shots by Dane. And he ties Priest up in the ropes so he can hit him in the midsection some more. A spear off the apron by Dane so he's hitting him in the ribs. His ribs are hitting the ground. There's a seated abdominal stretch when they get back into the ring. Back elbow by Priest in a boot and a sort of a reverse mic check type maneuver. Uh, forearms by Priest in a back elbow and a lariat and a corner elbow as he's trying to he's trying to build up this comeback. But there's a ver vertical suplex by Priest after the third attempt and the way the way he sells trying to get his adrenaline up, the way he sells trying to like 
fight through the pain and make his body do something that it shouldn't be able to do at that particular point is really really cool and like I say the uh, Damien Priest the the um, I don't know what, how to say this. The gimmick that he's got, the entrance that he's got, the persona that he's got is really cool. Um, I am sort of waiting, and I will be realistic about this, for him to show me something in the ring that backs up what I think about his character and stuff like this. The way he was selling, he wasn't trying to do something to his opponent. He was like having a, an inner, an inner debate with his own injured body to like let's get this move over and he finally gets him over with a vertical suplex and a suicide flip dive by priest should not have worked either he goes for the south of heaven and it doesn't get the pinfall modified power bomb by dane should have killed him splash by dane should have killed him front slam by dane should have killed him but one last gasp of adrenaline priest hits the reckoning priest gets the win I don't know where Killian Dane goes from here, but uh, Damian Priest, for a guy that I already like, this is sort of the opposite of the Forgotten Sons situation. For a guy that I already liked, showed me so much more in this match than I've seen from him so far. And yes, I know, he's done shit forever in the indies, and he was really cool in the indies as Punishment Martinez. I didn't see it. He's new to me. He's a character that I like. He's pulling off the character great. I always mention that he, he brings me back to... Uh, sort of shades of the Brandon Lee Crow uh, that I really, really like. And you guys know I like those dark, darker characters in general. But um, this is the match where his what I saw from him in ring stepped up to what I already thought of his character, if that makes sense. Killian Dane, I want good things for as well, because like I said, the guy's athletic as fuck, and he shouldn't be able to do some of the things that he does. But just... They're putting a rocket on Damian Priest, and the third person in this scenario is Pete Dunne, and he's already in the stratosphere. Ironically, he's in the stratosphere while uh, AEW have an alien in their women's division. Do with that what you will. We get the amazing announcement because, you know, WWE, they don't do anything with tag teams. We're bringing back the Dusty Classic. The Dusty Classic is coming back in 2020, and the teams will be announced on the New Year's Day episode of NXT. That's great. I really like that. They're going to throw together some weird teams. Whenever they talk about the Dusty Classic, they always talk about the first one being won by Finn Balor and, and Samoa Joe, which is fine, because I like both those guys. Huge fan of Samoa Joe. Who's huge fan of Finn Balor. Finn Balor just had a great match at the beginning of tonight. Samoa Joe, in a little bit of a different way, i got to tip my cap to him. I haven't talked about Raw in a while, because I don't talk about Raw here. Uh, Samoa Joe on commentary. That's That's been a thing, hasn't it? Um... Obviously, you want to see the guy get back in the ring, and obviously, if you've seen the spoilers for next week's Raw, because they taped two Raws in a row, Jesus Christ, imagine sitting through six hours of Raw. Uh, he is making his comeback, but when he actually, I'm, I'm not saying anything that anybody else hasn't already said, when he actually retires, they better put him back on that desk, because he's, he's just that good. You know what's not great? You know what I still can't bring myself to give a single fuck about? Oh, yes, it's Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes had a match with Kushida, and the only thing I can really say about this, Kushida's great. I, I like Kushida. I want Kushida to be facing other people that I actually care about. But he came to the ring in Cameron Grimes' hat. Well, in the middle of, of his Marty McFly Back to the Future gimmick and tapping on the wrist and, and the, you know, the time travel stuff, I just made fun of AEW for, for having an alien on their women's roster and we've got a time travel Marty McFly guy from Japan here. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But... It, it, it just it just hit me in that comedy spot 
Um, don't know why I did this just now, doing the Simon Miller hand on heart thing. That's another story for another day. Kushida comes out in Cameron Grimes' hat. That's what I'm going for. And it shouldn't be that easy to pop me. But it is that easy to pop me. And uh, Kushida beat the crap out of Cameron Grimes for most of this match. And then Grimes got the cave in and the win and took his hat back. And I don't like that because I like Kushida and I don't like Cameron Grimes. And sometimes it's just that I don't even want to talk about it. That's what we're doing. He does that weird twisting crossbody thing Grimes does. He, um... It looks like, uh, especially after we've just seen Killian Dane, Killian Dane's got that cool crossbody that he does that he calls the divide, and it looks like he's destroying somebody. The way Cameron Grimes hits that twisting crossbody that he does, it looks like he's the one taking the impact, and then the other guy has to sell it. It's weird. I don't like it. I don't really like Cameron Grimes, and yes, I know, once again, that goes against the grain of most indie fans, but I don't, I don't care. I'm also not super, super excited about Luke Harper going to AEW. I'm just not. Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull. Current Destiny Champion. Marty Skrull showing up in NWA Power um, got me more excited than Luke Harper going to AEW. And I don't watch NWA Power, so what does that tell you? You know what does get me excited? Io Shirai. One of the coolest heel turns of the year up there with Dakota Kai and definitely not Bailey. Uh, we saw a highlight package on Io Shirai and then Io Shirai fought Santana Garrett. Santari Santana Garrett uh, gave the commentary the opportunity to talk about Trish Stratus because she looks up to Trish Stratus and I think they said Trish Stratus trained her but I could be wrong. Um, they took the opportunity to wish Trish Stratus a happy birthday while they were giving her the credit of inspiring Santana Garrett. I thought it was a little bit backwards. Short match, really, really cool. I remember Santana Garrett from the Mae Young Classic. I remember her not being on the top of my list of people that um, that I wanted to go far. Obviously, people like Rhea Ripley, people like Piper Niven, people like Tony Storm, people like Kaylee Ray, um, you know, Io not Io Shirai, Kyrie Sane, etc. All the people that are actual stars now. And I'm not saying that to be a dick. Go back to every May Young Classic video coverage that I did where I said, I think this is going to be the winner. I think this is going to be the winner. I think this is going to be the winner. And most of them are doing pretty damn good right now. If you don't... The second May Young Classic was just meant to set up NXT UK's women's division, wasn't it? Um, anyways, enough rambling, enough going off tangentially in all directions. Collar double tie up, they trade some headlocks. Corner knockdown by Shirai. A top, top rope arm drag by Garrett, who turns it a super kick into a hangman by Shirai. Flapjack by Shirai. Stomps to the back. Boots by Garrett. Leg sweep by Garrett. A corner elbow and a suplex. She, Santana Garrett, this is another one that popped me. And this is like. I don't want to always say that I like what this person does because it reminds me of what this person does because I think that's a conversation that happens way too much in wrestling. But I did fucking pop, for the for the Austin Aries fans out there, I did pop when Santana Garrett pulled out the last chancery. That was really cool. I really like that a whole bunch. But uh, Hangman again on the ropes by Shirai after she gets out of the last chancery. Double knees, moonsault, and Shirai gets the win. Now... I talked in the first match, or after the first match, rather, about the little things that make wrestling good. Io Shirai, brand new, badass, heel turn, the whole fucking bit, you know. She wasn't really, she was sort of there before the heel turn, now she's a heel. She's got that music that's sort of really unsettling with the Titantron that makes it even more really, really unsettling. And she looks like she's going to do, like, the whole post-match assault thing on Santana Garrett, and the referee just sort of says, yeah, come on, you won the match, you know, let her be, let her be, she's already on the ground, whatever. And so instead of attacking her, she does something that's almost better. She just sort of 
gives her a little like she gives her a kick but it's not even a kick she just gives her like a nudge in the ribs like like go fuck yourself like get out of my ring like I'm not even going to actually kick the shit out of you because I've already done it. Just here, have one more kick because I say so. And it was just, it's it's it sounds like nothing, but it's a really cool character moment that that makes all the difference. And that's it's what matters. You can have an entirely you can have an entirely shitty match. You can have an entirely shitty character if they have a little moment like that where you can just sort of turn your head a little bit and be like, okay, maybe I don't like entirely what they're doing right now, but there's something there, and they get it. And Io Shirai doesn't need that, because she gets all of it. Now, there was a lot of promotional material throughout the night tonight. Uh, I'm not going to get into what happened where, but we got the, pr the promo for Worlds Collide, and we got the promo for TakeOver Portland. Now, Worlds Collide is really, really cool, especially when you consider the match we're about to talk about, and TakeOver Portland's logo looks like a saw. And until February, that's about all we've got. Uh, February, I've got a cheat sheet somewhere. It's up here on the board somewhere. It is February 16th. There we go. He's, here's the thing. i got a whiteboard behind me right here, right, right where the camera's sitting. Right behind there is a whiteboard. Here's my notes for the show. Here's my notes for, like, everything else i got coming up. Everything's a cheat sheet. Can't read any of my writing anywhere. You think big, gigantic whiteboard, big, gigantic whiteboard markers. I still can't read my own damn writing. It is what it is. But, speaking of Worlds Collide, which I think is going to be absolutely fantastic, we got Pete Dunne versus Chase Banks. The only Banks in the WWE that matters. Oh, yes. Collar double tie-up, and both men try to work an arm. Dunne slaps him in the face and starts working the hand. Single leg by Dunne, a pinning reversal sequence. And here comes Travis Banks, the only Banks that matters, with the Say It Loud and Say It Proud, the Daniel Brian silly kicks. Oh, yes. Chops by Dunn and stomps to the hand. An X-plex on the apron by Dunn. Banks eats the apron super hard. Dunn begins to work the fingers and jams the fingers and the knuckles and the wrist into the apron. Really, really awkward looking shit. Everything Pete Dunn does once he starts doing the joint manipulation, it's not big and bombastic and flashy. It's just awkward. And awkward equals painful. And that's why his shit works so well. Chops by Banks and both men trade some strikes and forearms. Corner drop kick twice and a cannonball by Banks, a suicide dive by Banks, a top rope diving drop kick by Banks and a double stomp. Xplex by Dunn, dueling in Seguris. And then we go for the bitter end, except the bitter end gets countered into a DDT. There's a curb stomp by Dunn, a Kiwi Crusher by Banks, reverse power bomb by Dunn, and a super Xplex leading to the bitter end, leading to the win for Dunn. And Throughout the match, it was really cool. It's um, it's a one-two, it's a one-two thing because on commentary they're talking about uh, the history that these guys had over in the UK, in the UK Indies, etc. How they've always had a rivalry. Can they have each other's number tonight? Whatever. And Pete Dunne isn't exactly a heel, but he is an asshole. So you never really know. I love what he does at the end of a match when he's just got that shit-eating grin on his face and he kind of shrugs. He's like, yeah, I guess I kicked his ass. It's great. Uh, as I say, I've said I said it back in the collab that I did with Kristen, and I got made fun of for it a lot. I got a chance to see Pete Dunne a lot down the road here at Destiny when he was the Destiny champion. So I am ridiculously biased towards Pete Dunne, but he's also a fucking amazing wrestler. So with the with the type of character that he has, where you never really know what you're going to get, for him to walk across the ring after the match is over and give Travis Banks a little bit of a fist bump, especially when they're on opposite teams when it comes to Worlds Collide is a hell of a thing and it's it's not it's not quite Roman Reigns raising Keith Lee's hand at Survivor Series because that was a really cool moment 
and well-deserved, but it, it, it leads yourself into some really interesting interlocking stories as we go to Worlds Collide, because Pete Dunne has officially moved to NXT. They made a big point of saying that before this match started, but he came from NXT. He was in NXT, sorry, and then he, he was the figurehead when they went to build NXT UK. He was their champion forever, and then he came back, so they just planted a little seed. Not, I think it was Nigel McGuinness that says, yeah, he's back in in NXT. He's he's over with his American cousins, I think he said. Um, but whose side is he really on? And they didn't follow up on that. They just dropped that little pill. And I think that's really, really good. But the fist bump between Dunn and Travis Banks. Travis Banks should be the next one to come over, shouldn't he? There's a whole bunch of them over there. I mean, Imperium could come to NXT. I mean, I don't want to just poach everybody from NXT UK, but the numbers... I hate to do the numbers thing because Wednesday Night War, etc., etc., et but the numbers show it. Like, the amount of people outside of the UK that are watching NXT UK is like this. Which is bad, because for a while, you guys know I on this channel, I, w I was reviewing it, and I thought it was a lot of fun, but then it just came to be too much wrestling. Because what I used to do, for those of you that are, are, uh, are newer to the to the channel or to the podcast or wherever you're listening from. I used to start off these NXT reviews with about a five-minute blur of, of what happened on NXT UK, which was what happened, or, or which was the progression of me doing a separate NXT UK review and then doing an NXT review. It just ended up with me doing a lot, and then when NXT moved to two hours, I just, I had to kick something, and everybody asked me, are you going to review AEW as well? And the answer is no, and it's not for me not liking AEW, it's not for me not liking uh, NXT UK, it's the simple fact of this is a hobby, uh, so many of the people that you watch or listen to, depending on how you're listening to me right now, have have turned this into their job, their money-making opportunity. I've never made a scrap of cash doing this show. This is strictly a hobby for me, and I'm not complaining about that, because it is a lot of fun. It Not being monetized gives me a lot of freedom to obviously use all the Hailstorm music that I use, uh, to use the graphics that I want to use without getting copyright stricken, etc. But it means I have an actual job. <laughs> and uh, so something had to go. And NXT is the, the tentpole of this channel. So that's why we do what we do. But NXT UK is worth a watch. If you're looking for something different, it does have a less polished little more house show feel to it and I really do like that and AEW is being covered by everybody else under the sun so you don't need to know what I think of AEW if you want to know what I think of AEW wait till me and Guapo preview an AEW pay-per-view that was a lot of rambling that has nothing to do with this show wasn't it uh next week we're getting a very weird weird tag team match we're getting Leo Rush and Keith Lee versus Damian Priest and Tony Nese Tell, tell me how they came to this. I don't know how they came to this. I can't defend this. And Roderick Strong is having a New Year's Day North American Championship Open Challenge, which is wonderful. You know what's more wonderful? And I'm losing my voice, and I'm grinning. If you're listening to me in podcast form, tell me if you can hear me grinning before I even get into this match. Your main event for the NXT Women's Champion. My hands are doing the thing again. Rhea Ripley versus NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. They did the whole Goldberg-type entrance uh, for, for Baszler when she's her friends are there with her. They're getting her all psyched up before she goes out to the ring. And they did that that dramatic pay-per-view music. You know when uh, when they're showing somebody walking towards the ringside area and they do that boom, 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 boom. I don't know what that's called. 
I don't know whether it's just ambient noise or whether it's an intentional thing or what, but it, it makes all the difference. And fucking Rhea Ripley, and I know it's Full Sail, and I know Full Sail is a character in and of itself. I really do. But god damn do they love Rhea Ripley. And god damn is she not over. I mean, she had a great... She had a great lead up to Survivor Series. She beat Banks, which is enough to, to to make me smile right there. She beat Charlotte. She beat Bailey and Becky on the same night. Uh, it it just it is what it is. And I think wasn't it uh, Ripley fought uh, Lynch on Smack or on NXT as well, if I'm not mistaken. But goddamn, is she over? And goddamn, would I do? everything to that woman if I had half the chance Jesus Christ but Jesus like the big match feel big fight feel Michael Cole says it so often that it's become a really really bad cliche but the actual true meaning of big fight feel Rhea Ripley Shayna Baszler full sale crowd in full sale university this was awesome and all due respect to Balor and Cole because they put on a great match with a bullshit ending I I would have been pissed off because this was the better match. This was the main event. Not only because it actually had a finish, we're going to get to that in a second, but this, with the way they came out there, with the way they presented themselves, with the way the crowd was absolutely ready to receive this match, this was the main event. Even if, even if what I said earlier happened, even if Balor like, reclaimed his throne as the Prince of NXT and became the champion, I would still put this on last. That's a little bit of hyperbole. Maybe that's a little bit of personal bias because I love both of these women. I mean, I love Cole and Balor, too. That's not the point. I'm rambling. Let's get into it. Test of strength and a leg pick by Baszler, and both men try to work the other one's arm. Baszler stomp gets blocked, and they do this big power move where, where uh, Baszler goes to do the stomp, and basically Ripley sort of military presses her foot back, and she gets her in a compromising position, and I think she like throws her across the ring or something like that. Uh, huge Irish whip by Ripley. Ripley tosses her out of the ring. Kicks to the back by Baszler. A seated neck bison, a lariat. Arm snap by Baszler. Uh, I believe that was on the outside. I didn't put it in my notes, but I believe when she did the arm snap, basically where, you, where you've got the person on their side and you bend over and you crack their arm all the way back. I believe that was done on the outside on the floor. Arm snap by Baszler. Body shots by Ripley. Leg and headlock by Baszler gets transitioned into a head and arm lock by Baszler. Irish whip by Baszler. An electric chair drop by Ripley. Knee strikes by Ripley. Rolling takedown by Baszler. Drop kick by Ripley. Anybody listening to me in podcast form and you'd want to know that, I'm sure you can figure out that that noise is me crumpling up paper, but it's just me dramatically tearing pages that I've written up during the course of this show off of what I've come to call the Doomy Clipboard of Doom. These are some of the in-jokes of, of the channel that maybe some of you in podcast form maybe don't know, maybe don't care about, maybe I should move on. Corner shots by Ripley and a top rope superplex. Back elbows and forearms by Baszler, dropkick by Ripley, and the horsewomen come to the ring to distract. There's a trip on the apron by Ripley to Baszler. Baszler's taken out momentarily, and Ripley hits a cannonball on both of the invading horsewomen. There's a knee bar, sorry, there's a high knee by Baszler and ba the Baszler stomp, but she hits the Baszler stomp on the steel steps. Baszler works the elbow, the wrist, the hand, the fingers. Very, very, very shades of Pete Dunne in the last match. Arm drag and a face buster by Baszler as we go to commercial break. Coming back from commercial break, they are in the ring. They hit another Baszler stomp and a short kick to the face. Now, here is where I'm going to say 
fuck Ricochet, because from here on in is just Rhea Ripley's superhero story. Right hand by Ripley and a drop kick. She drop kicks Baszler into the ref. The ref is down. Me, personally, watching this, I'm like, don't tell me they're going to give this a fuck finish. Carafuda clutch on the outside of the ring by Baszler, which... I mean, there's no there's no danger of her being counted out because the referee's down, but I don't know what the Carafuda clutch on the outside is supposed to do until she drops her and grabs the chair, brings the chair into the ring, DDTs her on the chair. Again, me watching this, I'm thinking, okay, this is where the referee comes to. This is where we get the WWE-ism of this match. We throw the chair out of the ring, the DDT's already been hit, the referee just happens to come to at the right time, and, and Ripley gets screwed, but she doesn't get screwed because she kicks out of the pinfall attempt, and we get the Karafuda clutch transitioned into Ripley's standing figure four, transitioned back into the, Kara, the Karafuda clutch. Now, while she's in the Karafuda clutch, so many attempts to break. The, dra the drama in this Karafuda clutch is probably the best story told in a WWE ring this year, and I don't care. Not Kofi. Not Becky. Not Rollins back when we liked them. This moment right here, go back and watch it if you don't agree with me, because you're wrong. The amount of times that she tried to reach for the rope and sort of faded and tried to stand up, because you figure like the natural thing would be, because she's the more powerful person, to stand up and backdrop to get out of the careful glass. Never really does that. Tries to bulldoze her way to the ropes. Doesn't happen. And finally, there's this moment, and it's this perfect... It's, it's, it comes right down to the camera work, almost. Um, it's when she's fading, she's fading, she's fading. She's got all the black eye makeup, too, so it makes it very easy to see, like, you know, the eyes are rolling in the back of the head and whatever. And the referee goes to lift up the hand to see if the hand is going to flop, and she grabs the referee by the, by the collar of the shirt. And you can't really hear what she's saying, but the effect of it is, don't you fucking dare. And it's great. And Ripley stomps on the face and locks in the standing figure four. There's a high knee by Baszler, and they go to the top rope. And even on the top rope as they're struggling, Ripley, not in a chokehold anymore, but still selling the fact that she's out of it as fuck. Baszler's trying to do something to her. She snaps into it just enough to clock her with this amazing headbutt that Baszler sold perfectly and she sold the effect of perfectly and she and she grabs her and she sort of wraps her up. They're both sitting on the top turnbuckle. She wraps up Baszler and it's not pretty but what you get is a super fucking riptide from the top rope and that takes out Baszler. Baszler is Dunsky. Rhea Ripley, the most over-fucking person in full sail, ends out the show, ends out the last and uh, yeah, the last episode of NXT for 2019 as your new women's champion. This was her moment. Baszler had her moment at Survivor Series when the women main evented Survivor Series and she beat the other two champions and the NXT women's champion stood tall at the end of WWE Big Four pay-per-view Survivor Series. That was Baszler's moment. This is Ripley's moment right here. This was fucking great. This was fucking great. There was some shit talked earlier on in the night in the backstage area by Dakota Kai where how she basically she went through Mia Yim, she went through her friend Tegan Knox, she's going to go through everybody else, and eventually she's just going to get her hands on the title. I dare you to step up to the Rhea Ripley that we saw tonight. This was fan-fucking-tastic. AEW, you can't touch this. 
Raw can't touch this. SmackDown can't touch this. Sasha Banks, you can't touch this. NXT's women's division is the best thing in mainstream televised professional wrestling going into 2020. And I dare you to tell me that I'm wrong. NXT better win tonight. This is where I have myself on a string. This is where the wrestling community could, in fact, break my heart. This NXT, this NXT that served so many masters, and yes, I'm venturing into hyperbole now. You had a great men's title match. You had a great return of Johnny Gargano. You got Cole, who won by the skin of his teeth. Again, you've got Balor, who could continue that hunt, or go after Gargano, or both. If he's going after Gargano, Cole has to deal with Ciampa. That's fine. You've got a new cruiserweight champion in Angel Garza from last week. Leo Rush is still staying in the thick of things. You've got an amazing new women's champion. You've shown that not every women's champion or every women's match has to be about the title because you are building that women's division underneath. Deanna Perrazzo and Chelsea Green had marquee moments on this week and next week's Monday Night Raw. You ended off the night with this. We promoted the Dusty Classic. We promoted World's Collide. We, we sort of promoted TakeOver Portland. You are already set. You are already set going into 2020 with this. Raw didn't do that. SmackDown didn't do that. And AEW, if you think you're better than this tonight, can kiss my ass. Your number two and number three contenders are having a match tonight. I know that. That's fine. One of them thinks she's an alien. Okay, you've also got your champion doing some stuff tonight. Your champion is Chris Jericho. Fucking love Chris Jericho. Fellow Canadian and all that. But he's going up against Luke Perry's kid in a Tarzan cosplay. This is NXT. This is the NXT women's division specifically that is running professional wrestling. And I don't care if you disagree with me. If you disagree with me, you're, you're fucking wrong. How's that? How's that for Spaz being a dick on the very last NXT review of 2019? Anyways, in all seriousness, stay tuned to this channel, even if you think I'm a dick, because there's a lot of cool collab stuff coming up, and 2020 is right around the corner. And if you haven't done it already, find me on Twitter at SpazPhoenix1 and tell me either you want me to have a good birthday or you hope I fall on my face. One or the other. That's about all I've got time for. That's about all you guys want to listen to. I'm pretty sure I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tagging out. This was a fucking good show and a fucking great way to end the year. Tell me December is a boring month in wrestling. I dare you. Tag it out. Bye.